0: I never really know what to wear to these things. <laughs> you know, it can feel it can feel kind of like a fashion show, if you will. And uh, and so, yeah, man. Anybody know what this is? A gi. It's not a karate gi. Jiu jitsu. It's a jiu jitsu gi. That's right. It's, it's not a flex, right, because I'm a white belt, I'm no good, you know, <laughs> let me just tell you that up front, right. Anybody into BJJ, that's kind of your thing, they call, it, they call it rolling, you know, you roll, that's, that's like wrestling, that's like, you know, mixed martial arts, you're on the ground. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is really wrestling. Anybody, any practitioner, like, got a higher belt, you got a white belt? Right there? What, what is it? What, what, what? Purple belt. Come on, man. Come on. good I just got to ask you some questions right so so no no stay here stay here no no I'm serious oh yeah uh we're gonna do this I know you didn't know that but it's gonna be awesome but like so just just because they don't know anything about it maybe so like if when I want to be done right what do I got to do tap out so just like like, like, you can't be done just right now. Okay. Like, I gotta get you in something, and then you gotta tap out. But, but if, if <laughs> uh, <laughs> he said, he said, I gotta get you yeah. in something, then you gotta tap out. I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> even, even the accents intimidating me. I'll be honest. Okay, but, but hold on. So, so if I tap out, you're gonna stop. Yeah. Okay. At any time. I got Like, I could tap out at any time, and you stop. Okay. If you go like that. You got to stop. Okay. And so I can tap out on me, the ground. No, you got to touch the person. I got to touch the person. Okay. Okay. And so you give me your word. When I tap out, you're going to stop. Okay. You promise. You promise, promise. Okay. Because I know you're probably like, there's some lady here. I got to show you. I know. I see you, man. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. So let's, let's, yeah, no, no, yeah. But I might be bigger. You're a purple belt. I'm a white belt. Okay. All right. Okay, okay, so, so let's just, so when I tap out, you're gonna stop, you promise. Okay, so let's just go real slow, okay? Okay, ready? Let's go. You're purple, like why do I want to roll with you? You know what I mean? You're a purple bell, all right? Hey, thank you, thank you for coming up, man. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what? like why am I gonna do that, you know? Like, so one time I'm, I'm here in Dallas and I'm training BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right? And, and I'm, I am a big guy, that's true. I'm, I'm tall, right? And so that means I always get paired with the big guy, right? Nobody else is there. Like, there's always like one big guy that shows up that I get paired with, which is like just really unfortunate. And so there's this Dallas police officer, he's 330 pounds. And, and he too, ironically, is a purple belt, right? And he just works me over. Like, he's always just you know, taking me to, so it's like, you're right. And so one day we're rolling and, and I catch him in what's called the guillotine, which is like this, this choke right here and I got him. And it's, it's like, it's in his throat, you know, I'm yeah, finally, right? And I'm thinking that I'm gonna win for like the first time ever, like out of hundreds of times that like I'm about to get him. And so I just like cinch it in, right? And I'm, and I'm just ugh, like, I'm about to get you, man. And he's like in and out of consciousness, but I'm a pastor, you know, I'm a believer. I'm like, I don't, man, I don't want, like tap, do tap. But he's not tapping, right? And so I'm just, you know, trying to get him. And he gets out. He gets out. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got nothing left, man. I got nothing left. Why, because why am I going to go through all that strain? and all that struggle, when I can just tap out. And I think it's because, especially in America, we've we've been trained, you've been raised, you've gone to this systematic school of thought, you tap out, you lose. You surrender, it's no good, right? But the the scripture actually calls you to surrender. And some of you, you, you might as well go through the world wearing a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gi because you're wrestling. You're in this place where you're trying to figure out who God is, if he loves you, and he's calling you to leave something that you don't want to leave. And you know it. You've heard it. You're like, gosh, how did they know? Like, it seems like they're talking to me, like, why am I here? Now I know why I'm here. And you know he's calling you out of some relationship. He's calling you out of some job. Maybe he's calling you to move. He's calling you to have a conversation with somebody. He's calling you to go and ask for forgiveness. He's calling you to follow him in a new way, a new way, like an all-in kind of way. You're like, but I don't know if I can. Tap out. Surrender. Because to tap out, it's going to reevaluate. It means to reevaluate what I trust, what I place my trust in. It means to reevaluate my ambition, what's driving me, where I'm going, what I'm aiming for. And it means to reevaluate my perspective, how I see the world. Am I really going to start following this Jesus and living according to his word, and doing what it says, and seeking to know it. And I get it, man. I stumbled into this place, hungover, sat in the back row, smelt like smoke from the club the night before. And I had been in church my whole life. Addicted to pornography, addicted to sex, loved to party, worldly as all get out. And I was like, I'm a Christian, and I had to learn that I wasn't a Christian to become a Christian. I had to realize that I actually wasn't following Jesus so that I could follow Jesus. And maybe that's you. Like, maybe the greatest thing that you can hear this morning is that you're not following Jesus, but you could start. You could start right now. You could follow him in the way you date. You could follow him in the way you work. You could follow him in the way you speak. You could follow him in the way you spend. You could follow him in the way that you choose your friend group. You could follow him on social media. You could follow him wherever you go. Or you could not. Some of you, 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 some of you, you heard passionate people say things like this before. And so what's gonna be the difference in this moment. And I'm imploring you to tap out. Say, okay, God, I'm tired of driving. That's what I wanna talk about, what keeps us from surrendering. We're gonna look at three things, really examine three things. See, I was raised in the church, I was a church goer, and the cost to go to church was really, really low. It was essentially waking up early and being bored for an hour. That was the cost to go to church. I called myself a Christian, but in reality, I was a churchgoer. The cost to follow Jesus, that meant what I did with my girlfriend needed to change. Okay, what I did on the weekends needed to change. What I did after everyone went to bed needed to change. The way I handled alcohol needed to change. The way that I talked needed to change. So I was completely fine continuing to pay the cost to go to church, but I didn't want to pay the cost to follow Jesus. Because all I saw was cost. And I'm here, and I'm sober, and I'm of sound minds, and I've been following Jesus now for 20 years. And I would tell you, praise Him, praise Him. And I would tell you, there is so much to gain. And I know you've experienced just a commercial of that over the past 48 hours, 72 hours. Just a commercial of what you have to gain. But if you have not surrendered to Jesus, you cannot follow Jesus. And I'm just saying that it's foolish to live in opposition to God. And so as we look at a text, we're going to examine what you trust in. We're going to examine your ambition. And when you're go- we're going to examine your perspective because these are the three things that I think will help you understand why you haven't surrendered if you haven't surrendered. And I'm gonna look at one of the saddest stories in all of the Bible. And I tried really hard not to teach this story because it's my favorite story. I go back to it often, right? Some of you have maybe heard me teach this text in Luke 18 before. But when I think about surrender and I think about young adults, like this is where I sense the Holy Spirit continue to take me to say, hey, it's this one. And I wrestled with God myself. I'm like, are you sure, right? but I'm gonna teach this in a fresh way. Now I'm gonna show you something in this text that that the vast majority of you have never heard before that I think is so relevant to the topic of surrender. This is one of the saddest stories in all the Bible because most of the time somebody interacts with Jesus and their life radically changes, but you're going to see someone your age and your situation and circumstance interact with Jesus and they leave sad because they can't tap out. They said, no, I will spend the rest of my life wrestling with you because I love the world. I can't give it up. And I know that some of you have one foot in the church and one foot in the world and you're only losing. You have so much church that you can't really enjoy the world and so much world that you can't really enjoy the church. And you're like, why am I so down all the time? I know why you're down all the time. You're exhausted. You're exhausted. Luke 18, verse 18 is where I'll be. Keeps us from surrendering. This guy, because you may not have context for him, he's the OG celebrity Christian. I mean, that, he's like Sadie Robertson or Chris Pratt. Like, we look at him and we think he's a bad guy. Everybody in that culture would have looked at him and, and they, you know, he'd, he'd have like 2.6 million followers on Instagram. Like, everybody would have looked at him as like, that's what it means to know God like we're gonna read all his books, like we want to get to know this guy. It says a certain ruler asked him, we know them as the rich young ruler, That's this guy, he's the rich young ruler. That's how he's been preserved in history. Rich young ruler, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now pause, because if you know anything about the Bible, you think, okay, he's asking Jesus, how do I get to heaven? This is where Jesus shares the good news that he died for his sins, or he's going to die for his sins, and he's gonna raise from the dead, and all he needs to do is trust in him. But there's some things happening that are difficult to understand in context that I wanna explain to you. Jesus says, why do you call me good? Which is a strange answer. No one is good except God alone. It's been a great time to tell him you're God. (laughs) You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And this is where the guy should say, that's too hard. I've fallen so short, but what he says is, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Here's what's happening. He says, good teacher. The word there is agathos. Agathos doesn't mean man who teaches well, it means man who is good and teaches. He's saying, Jesus, you're good. This is this man's problem. What he's actually asking Jesus is, How good do I have to be to get into heaven? So Jesus says, What do you need to do to get into heaven? You need to keep the law perfectly, do all of these things. And that man who is relying completely, he's trusting completely on his performance says I have because he trusts in himself he trusts in his ability he trusts in his striving and so that's the first thing as you consider what to examine if you feel like maybe you haven't surrendered is your trust what do you trust in my hunch is for most of you the problem is going to be in one of two categories you trust in your performance or you trust in your sin Trusting in your sin, that's strange. I'm going to explain that in just a minute. But let's talk about performance for a second. Like this guy right here, he's got a black belt in church. Like he has, he's the guy that shows up early. He sets out the chairs. He stays late. He's memorized the Torah. Like he's got it going on. He's followed all of the rules. So when he says, hey, what must I do? Jesus is really trying to show him what you must do is realize that you'll never do enough. Tap out, surrender. And so this is where he's pulling him in the story. This is where he's trying to take him. So what do you trust in? Some of you might trust in your accomplishments like this man. I did that. There was this time where life got really busy and it got busy with really good things. I had written this book, Welcome to Adulting, had just come out and, and that kinda put me on this speaking circuit and so I'm traveling, I'm on planes, like some of them nice planes. I'm doing things I never thought I would get to do in ministry. You can actually make money in ministry so that was interesting. This is all like new territory for me And people like wanted to be around me, they're like, let's take a picture, will you sign my book? And I'm like, this is new. Like I got in ministry to set out chairs and serve people. Like I didn't, you know, like now you think, well I wanna go into ministry, I want a spotlight on me and a microphone. I I got into ministry because I was like, you know what? I'd love to understand the word and help people live by it. Like in one-on-one conversations. And God just began to do this thing and and the weight got really heavy. And I had taught on on anxiety my whole life, But one day, I'm laying in this this hotel room about to speak at one of the largest churches in the country. It's not a flex, it's just where I was that day. And and all of a sudden, I start having panic attacks. Waking up like with a jolt of electricity. My heart's beating really hard. Anxiety jumped on me. I go to the doctor, then I go to a therapist. And essentially, this therapist who went to school to help people like me in my situation says, you need to sit still. I'm like, what do you mean, sit still? I'm sitting still. He's like, no, like every day, you just need to be still for an extended period of time. I'm like, oh, yeah, like a quiet time. I get the sense you're rushing those. Checking boxes, reading things like, oh, so I can tell your small group you did. No, sit still. Like a Psalm 4610 kind of thing, be still and know that he's God. Like at some point in this journey, you've started to think that you're God and you weren't meant to carry the weight that God carries. You need to sit still. And so that was my prescription, right? Like that's what I left the doctor with. Oh, I need to go and sit still. And so I started doing it every morning and God worked through that to heal me, to, to remove the anxiety in my life. Maybe that's a word for some of you. You realize, like, yeah, I've got that. That happens to me, jolt of electricity. I know what he's talking about. Yeah, I don't sit still. Sit still. What does he mean by that? I mean, sit still. Like, in a chair? Sure. Doing what? Nothing. <laughs> just, just knowing that he's God and you're not. For how long? Longer than you're comfortable doing it. Like, wait until you don't want to do it anymore, and then go, like, another 35 minutes. (laughs) And I'm serious, right? The other thing that can show me that you're trusting in your ability is you think your sin's so big. And so I remember when a rich young ruler walked into this place, actually the tower next door... And he was asked two questions, between 1 and 10, 10 being certain, 1 being not so sure. If you died today, how certain are you that you would go to heaven between 1 and 10? Maybe you've heard that question, maybe you haven't, but let me put it in front of you again. Between 1 and 10, 10 being certain, I know for a fact that I will go to heaven, 1 probably won't go to heaven where in that spectrum are you what's the number that you would say can we just play this game real quick so I, i'd love to know who, who i'm talking to can everybody shut their eyes okay you're gonna everyone's in the room's gonna raise their hand on this deal okay so i'm gonna ask you a couple questions between one and ten i want you to get your number with your eyes closed i'm watching your purse you know i'm making sure nobody's moving okay with your eyes closed Get your number. Between 1 and 10, how certain are you? If you died right now, how certain are you that you would go to heaven? Just, just, just hang tight. I'll, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to put your hands up, right? So, so I, I'll just say, some of you, you, you're pretty sure you're like an 8 or a 9. How many of you are an 8 or a 9? Raise your hand. Okay, lots of 8s lots of or 9s. That's great. Some message moved you or something. Okay, how many of you are of 5, 6, or seven? Okay, several five, six, or sevens. Yep, I see you. I see you. Okay, how many of you are a two, three, four? You're at a place where I'm a, I'm a two, three, or four. That's how sure I am. The others seem arrogant, like I just, not sure where I'm at right now. A few two, threes, or fours. Okay, okay, you can open your eyes. So that person was asked between one and ten, how certain are you that you would go to heaven? He said, seven. And the second question is, if you stood before God, and he says, why should I let you in, what would you say? And this guy, like this guy is, he was the rich unruler. Like he, he was kind of everything wrong with Dallas in a person. Right? I mean, truly, like he had, he, had, he drove a Jaguar. Like, let's just be honest. That's like the most obnoxious car, right? Like, it's not, it's not reliable. Like it's, it's just, it just says, look at me. I'm Cash McMogulson," right? And so. Drives a Jaguar, has a you know, Brioni suit, thousand, multiple thousand dollar suit. Like he had all, all the things, new watches for every day of the week. He says, how sure are you? And he, said, or he says, why should God let you in? He says, well, because I, I do good. Because I tried hard. Because I loved him. Right? And what I want you to know is nobody gets to heaven because they do good because they tried hard, because they love him. Even the demons know about God and shudder. The only way that we get to heaven is by trusting, trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ to pay our way in. That's the only way we get into heaven. And so you might think, right, well, if I say a 10, that's arrogance. No, to say a nine is arrogance. Because you say a nine. You're like, there's something that I can do that's bigger than the cross. God, you wasted your son's death on me because I'm a bigger sinner than your payment. What? Careful. No, his sins, his his payment's way bigger than your sin. His sin, he doesn't have any. His payment's way bigger than your sin. So why not start trusting in that? Completely. I'm all in, like I I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins, that God raised him from the dead, right? If you could get to God by your effort, then he wasted the death of his son Jesus. I want you to know that you cannot miss heaven because of any sin that you've committed and you cannot get there because of any righteous act you've committed. Only by the blood of Jesus. See, where this shows up in the scripture is important because it comes after right after this uh, verse 15, which is where they're bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, it says they rebuked him, but Jesus called the children to him and said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter into it. And what's true about a child is they have nothing to offer anyone. Like all they do is take And Jesus is like, this is who you need to learn from. This is your example that you bring nothing to God except need. What do I need to get into heaven? Need. You need to be needy. You need to be at a place of surrender to say, God, I can't, but you can. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I haven't memorized enough scripture. I'm not articulate enough or educated enough. I can't, but you can. Right? And that place of surrender where I want you to stay that's 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 the place where God's gonna use you you start turning all things over to him so back into the story verse 22 the man says Jesus the man says what do I got to do to get into heaven Jesus says what do you got to do like on your own you got to obey the law and he says I have and then Jesus said, it says when he heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing, sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And, and I've always read this text wrong, like all my life, until I would say about four years ago, I read this text wrong. Because I always thought like Jesus is just messing with this guy. Like he is going Ashton Kutcher, straight punking this dude. Like he's like, oh, what do you got to do? <laughs> you know, hey, let me, let me give you some rule. You ready, buddy? And he's like got the disciples there. He's like, hey, guys, listen. Okay, watch this, man. This guy thinks he's good. You know, you hear him. He thinks he follows the rules. So watch this, okay. Hey, it's just one thing you got to do. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. Watch this, watch this. Are you sad? You look, you look sad. That's how I'd, I always thought that's what he was saying, you know. Like Jesus is just coming after him. But in Mark, hey, listen, listen, listen. In Mark, that's important. In the gospel of Mark, okay. In the gospel of Mark, it adds this detail. That, that's not in any other gospels. It says this. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. So Jesus looks at him, he's like, no, you don't understand. I just want you to surrender. That's what this is, friends. This right here in this text, this is Jesus giving him an invitation to surrender. Will you surrender everything to me? Will you leave everything behind and follow me? But it says when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. He wasn't ready to surrender because he has some stuff. He had some trinkets and some treasures and some things. To understand if you've surrendered, I want you to under I want you to examine your ambition. Your ambition is your drive. It's what you're aiming for. And the reason I use that word ambition, because this was an ambitious guy. The thing that he didn't want to lose was his money. The thing that he loved more than following Jesus was his great wealth. The text goes out of its way to show us that. This man didn't follow Jesus because he wanted things. And he didn't want to leave those things behind to follow Jesus. Now, what is it that you don't want to leave behind to follow Jesus? Is it a relationship? Is it an engagement? I talked to a young woman right out there yesterday, and she just said, you know what? I I just called off my engagement. I said, man, that's so hard. She said, yeah, he knew God, but he didn't follow Jesus. To which I might say, he didn't know God and you did the right thing and I know it was costly, invitations go out, everyone's looking forward to it, you feel embarrassed, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And you're here and you're like, man, yeah, I'm, I've got drive. You know, I, I wanna be a, a millionaire before I'm 30. I wanna change the world. I wanna go Elon Musk on this place. Like, let's go, you know? I got me a little Dogecoin, it's gonna be awesome, right? I'm watching, yeah, I get it, I get it. You know, I'm a wise investor. What, what do you love more than Jesus? Like what is it if he asked you to give it up, you'd be like, no, I can't do that. Don't, please, please don't convict me too much right now. Please, I'm, I'm nervous, this isn't fun anymore. Like, let's go back to the dance party. I don't stop this, okay? <laughs> What's next? Ambition is what you're aiming for, right? This guys he's aiming for wealth. That, that's what he desires in this world. I want to ask you, do you believe that Jesus has something better than what you're holding on to? Like, Do you really believe that at, at a heart and hands level? Because this is what it says in Mark, again, chapter 8, verse 36, in the gospel of Mark. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? There's an Olympian rifle shooter, Matthew Emmons. And I'm not sure if you've heard of him. Here's a picture of him. He's he's the most decorated rifle shooter in history. Um, Multiple medals in the Olympics, right? He he is the best. It's, he's kind of like the, the Michael Phelps of his day, if you will. Like he's by far the best at this sport. So what happens, and I know a lot of you are not like, rifle shooting, my favorite. But But people would come to see him from all over because he was so good at what he did and he had already had a medal in the Olympics and he's there in his second event but this particular event is the one that he's the best at and so everybody's there watching him because he's a phenom like he's the greatest at this event like he just shoots right in the middle of the bullseye and he's already had one great shot and all he needs to do is hit the target to to medal and so there he is he takes aim at the target and everybody holds their breath as they watch and he shoots the target and he hits right dead center of the bullseye but the crowd responds very different and he's confused and then he realizes he aimed at the wrong target he shot the target left to his target which means he completely missed his target and while he hit a bullseye it wasn't the right bullseye right? I think there's a picture of those, those targets, the results Right? so that's him, the second one it's blank And had he just hit the target, he'd have left with the medal. But it's the realization that he aimed at the wrong target. Some of you are here right now, and you're aiming at the wrong target. If I sat down with you and we said, hey, what do you most want? you would be like, white picket fence, German shepherd, two kids, you know, with silly names, right? I've got this, you know, Pinterest, right? It's it's amazing. What do you most want? Man, you know, I just, I really want to, I want to get and climb the corporate ladder, get to the top, own a company. You know, I got this GoFundMe thing happening. It's gonna be amazing. We're gonna take it public, IPO. Right, what do you most want? I really just, like a shack on the beach. Take it easy, surf all day. That seems, what do you most want? To avoid hard things. What do you most want? Him to ask me out, her to say yes. What are you most, what are you aiming for? And I hope in, in just a few minutes, what you're aiming for is I want my entire life, my all of my being to go all in 100 with Jesus, like 100% I'm all in Jesus. You can take anything from me and I'm gonna follow you because we're gonna be dead soon and what's it gonna matter then? Right, and I'm just gonna tell you again, I'm gonna remind you I'm sober. I'm of sound mind and I'm just telling you it's worth it. That anything that you would give up to follow Jesus is absolutely worth it. Verse 24, Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, how hard it is for those In America, in the comfortable church with the comfortable chairs and the central air and heat, carrying their Bibles, singing worship to amazing bands, how hard it is for them to enter the kingdom of God. Remember, this guy's Christian 18, okay? And indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, maybe you've heard, like, people try to speak that away, like, oh, the, the eye of the needle's like a gate in Jerusalem and camels. No, no, no. He's speaking in hyperbole. He's talking about a giant animal getting through a tiny little hole, and he's saying it's that hard for someone who is so well-resourced and distracted by the world to understand their need for Jesus. That's why this text is in your Bible. It's a wake-up call. He's saying, hey, this is really hard. So he's speaking in hyperbole. He's like, hey, it would be easier to outstyle JD. You know, it's something crazy like that, right? He's he's saying, hey, this is is almost impossible. That's why they respond the way they do. Okay, that's why they say, well, well, who then can be saved? And he says, what is impossible with God, or what is impossible with man is possible with God. I've said it like this before. It's like he's saying, hey, you want to get into heaven? you got to be fast. And they say, well, well, how fast do you have to be? And he says, you know, Usain Bolt? Like, yeah, he's not fast enough. So then they're like, whoa, well, who then can get into heaven? Because remember, this guy was seen as the Christian black belt, the A team, like everybody's looking at him and say, man, if we could only know God like he does. And then Jesus says, this guy, he's not going to get in. And they're like, whoa, hold on, wait, 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 why? Because he can't surrender. See, he's got just enough God and just enough world to never really have all of God. Right? So he's not getting in. And that's why he leaves sad. And that's why Jesus has compassion on him. And that's why Peter says, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, Jesus. You know we've left all we had to follow you. And truly, Jesus says, truly, I tell you, no one who has, and this is important, really important. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. And what what Peter is saying is, Jesus, it's been all cost for us. We did it, man. We walked away from our jobs for you. We walked away from our relationships for you. We walked away from our families for you. We did it. Jesus is like, you hadn't walked away from anything. I've taken it, I've multiplied it, and I've set it in front of you. You're walking toward it forever and ever. Don't you understand, Peter? You're going to be dead soon. Nobody gets up to God like, hey, man, why didn't I get married? Where was my German shepherd? (laughs) No, 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 no. Whatever you sacrifice... For my sake, I'm guaranteeing with my blood, it will be worth it. And I know some of you are like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. But but I get married, right? (laughs) I don't know. Probably. Probably. But I do know it won't matter 100 years from now. I do know that. And that's crazy to think about. That's wild to think about. You got to have that eternal perspective. And that's my third and final point. Understand if you've surrendered, I want you to examine your perspective. How do you see the world? Are you living with an eternal perspective or a worldly perspective? Because there's so much in this world that's just a distraction. You'll you'll start to think this is all there is and that you have to actually live with an atheist worldview, which is like, okay, I I die and I get put in the ground and nothing happens to me. Worms just eat me. And and so I need to cram in as much fun and as much pleasure pleasure and as much attention and as much affirmation, right, and rewards and all all the things in, in my little 76 years here. And that is antithesis to the gospel like that's the thing is there's so many people in the church on a sunday morning living with an atheist perspective calling themselves christians raising their hands at songs but actually living with an atheistic perspective not a biblical perspective not an eternal perspective They're, they're just living for this world and that will keep you from surrendering because you'll start to want to make a home here. Peter's like, we left it all. Jesus is like, no, you haven't. When I was in college, we were, I I ran with this group and we all would go wakeboarding and we were coming home from the lake. We were coming home from the lake and uh, I was riding with my buddy in his Tahoe And right there on the console, so I'm in the passenger seat, he's driving, and right there on the console is this check in his name for $23,000. Now, in college, I had never in my life seen a check for $23,000, other than like on TV kind of stuff, right, price is right kind of stuff. But the first time in my life to see a a check for, and I've got no money in college. Like I'm, I'm poor as can be. And I see this check for $23,000. And so I stole it. No, I didn't. I'm kidding. And so I, <laughs> I'm just joking. Just making sure you're paying attention. And so I'm like, whoa, buddy, what is that? And he's just driving down the road. He's like, oh, oh that's, that, that's this, this check my, my grandma gives me every month. What, what you say, your grandma gives you every month? Yeah, man, it goes into this account. I can't get it until I'm 30. Okay. Uh, does she need some more grandkids? <laughs> like, can I apply for this position? Like, what's I was just like, I was, I was so dumbfounded in this moment. I'm like, you get $23,000 every month that goes into an account that you have access to when you're 30? Bro, how do you have a bad day? You know what I mean? Like, like I mean, whatever happens, you lose your job, you're like, it's okay, because I'm loaded, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you like ask a girl out, hey, would you like to go on a date with me? And she's like, no. And you're like, that's okay, because I got $23,000 this month, and you didn't, you know? i was like, like how, how do you have, how could you ever be sad? Like, I just, like, if I'm ever sad, I'd be like, oh, but one day, you know, I'm gonna be 30. <laughs> 30 and flirty, right? <laughs> so I was like, what? <laughs> Like what, like what is really going on here, you know? And I'm like, I tell him, I'm like, you're a trust fund baby, bro. Like you're a straight up trust fund baby. You're a trust fund baby. Don't, don't you get it? $23,000, that's a joke. That's what they paved the streets with there. You hear me? Like, like <laughs> that's a joke. Like, you have eternal riches, glorious riches at His right hand, forever and ever and ever and ever, more than any money can buy. When you are adopted as daughters and sons to the Most High King, through the blood of His Son, by trusting in His death and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins. Not trusting in you, not being a sinner but trusting in you make, being made righteous because of his righteousness being imputed on you. And I know those are some like big seminary words, but that's the way that it works. Like in that moment, God says, why should I let you in? Which I don't think it happens that way. But if he did, right, you could point to your resume, right? I'm proficient in Microsoft Word. Or you could point to, you could point to Jesus's resume. I'm perfect, right? That's the option that you have. You can go all in by trusting in his works right now. You, can, you don't even have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to change your clothes. You don't have to put a gi on. You don't have to do nothing, right? You just, I trust Jesus died for my sins and God raised him from the dead. Okay, but how, then how certain am I that I'm gonna to go to heaven? You're, you're certain. What if I, what if you anything because it's everything to do with his works that's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Like that, like, you know, that guy on TikTok is like, that's what I want to do right now. Right? That's the gospel. You know? Like, that's what I'm trying to say. It's, it's his works, not your works. You, you are not going to out-sin the crucifixion. You're not. That's what he's calling you. If you don't have Jesus, this is as good as it gets. But if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to him, this is as bad as it's ever going to be. And and I want you to know, because I know some of you, you, you've experienced something over the last few days, like following Jesus is an adventure. Like, it's amazing. Like, I'm telling you, I have sinned in epic proportions. You, you name it. We're we talking Molly. we talking weed, you know, whatever. we getting drunk, hugging toilets, strip clubs, right? The whole deal, pornography, things that if I told you, you would be so uncomfortable. You're like, I'm never listening to that guy again. It's all there. You don't ever have to listen to me again because it's all there. It's all there. And it's all been covered. And it doesn't mean like, right, I'm not afraid to talk about it because he set me free from it. I don't, I'm not walking around all like full of shame. I'm like, no, he set me free from it. I can boast in the savior. I can boast in the savior, Jesus Christ. That's what he's done. But he's calling this guy to the, uh, the the adventure of a lifetime. And this poor guy, right? Like Jesus is like, follow me. Like he could have been the 13th disciple. Somebody we name our children after, like Matthew or, or John or Luke. But he's like, I don't know, man. See, I got a lot of stuff. But he's talking to the guy with all the stuff. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. All the stuff is his. This dude's just got it on loan. This guy's king of the universe. And he's like, I don't know if I really want to follow you, right? Because I'm a rich young ruler you're a joke right today dude's not rich he's no longer young and he's not ruling anything he missed out right we don't even know his name just three little adjectives some of you are here and your aim is well I want to be rich I want to stay young I want to be in charge It's exhausting. And the enemy's going to come around you and tell you, you can't. And here's what I want you to do. What, what jujitsu does is it uses your opponent's strength against them. That's, that's kind of how it works. Is like they come at you and you just like use their strength against them. So that when the enemy says, hey, you can't, say, you're right, but he can. He's going to come in. He's going to say, hey, listen, you're not good enough. You say, oh, I know. No. I know. But he is, right? And he's gonna say, hey, don't you remember prom night? Or last night? Or last week? You know, don't don't you see how great a sinner you are? And you just say, Absolutely. But I have a great savior. I have a greater savior. You just use his strength against him. Jiu Jitsu, that guy. What's up, you know? <laughs> guillotine right and you just tap out i don't need to wrestle anymore jesus did the work for me on the cross i'm gonna tap out right so surrender your trust your ambition your perspective examine those things i'm gonna end with just some good news um maybe we do know who this guy is really interesting things when you start studying church history. Who's the rich young ruler? We don't know his name. Yeah, man, I, I kind of stumbled upon some things that are pretty fascinating. For For 1,500 years, it was believed that the rich young ruler was actually Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. And let me just see if I can get you there, because I've been, I've been in it, right, and it's okay if you don't agree with this, but... Um, for a long time, people did. And I think it's fascinating. Remember, Mark's the one who said he looked at him and loved him, he added that detail. And there's something that only shows up in the Gospel of Mark. And it's this guy who's naked when Jesus is arrested. There's, this, there's this, someone there who doesn't have any clothes on, which is weird, like it's a weird detail to add. Like if I was Mark, I'd just have skipped that detail because everybody else did. Right, but he adds it in, it's Mark 14. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind, right? And so like they come up, right? And, and they, he, all he has is like this, you know, kind of like a robe and they, they grab the robe and he's just like, take the robe, you know? And he's in his like, you know, birthday suit just running down the road. And it's like, why didn't Mark add that detail? Well, because for 1,500 years of church history, that was believed to be Mark. Also believed to be the rich young ruler who sold everything that he left sad, and then he came to his senses and says, Okay, I'm gonna sell it all, and I'm gonna follow Jesus. So maybe he was one of the 12. Listen, this is what Richard Wormbrand said. The Greek word euthéos, euthéos means straight away. It's really interesting that this word is repeated more in the gospel, a lot more, multiple times more in the gospel of Mark than anywhere else. Eutheos. It shows 40 times in Mark we see the word euthyos. The Greek word euthyos translated in Luke 14 verse 5 as straight away or immediately is the most characteristic word of Mark's gospel. It is found more often in Mark than, any, than in all other gospels combined. Wow. The reason is as follows. Tradition identifies Mark as the rich man to whom Jesus said that in order to be perfect... He should sell everything he had and give to the poor. It seemed to him that at that time, too big of a price, and he left the place with sadness. Later, he repented and fulfilled the commandment of the Lord, and there remained remorse in his heart for the time lost in disobedience. Therefore, he repeats continually in his gospel the word euthio, straight away, immediately. What is good must be done straight away, immediately. Only this moment is ours. The next moment might belong to death, even if we are young and in perfect health. So maybe you're here and you're like, one day, one day I'm gonna tap out. One day I'm gonna surrender. One day I'm gonna give it all up. That's how I was. I mean, I was in, raised in church my whole life. Right? But I, I stumbled into this place and this guy told this story about this horse. It's such a silly story. But I was like hungover, had a headache from the night before at a club, you know. And he just talks about this horse that just wanted to be free. And in his desire for freedom, he had to hunt for food and hunt for water and find shelter from the elements. And all these people were trying to capture this beast of a stallion. One day there was a drought in the land and the horse got weak and a cowboy successfully came alongside it and got a rope around his neck. He took it home and he put it in a fence. But he loved him. And he cared for him and provided for him. He broke him horse surrendered to him. He was able to, to lead him to food and lead him to water. And it was this line right here where the Holy Spirit just rushed into my heart. It wasn't until he was fully submissive to his master that he truly experienced freedom for the first time. Okay, that is the paradox of the Christian faith. That freedom comes through submission and victory through surrender. That's what's crazy about Christianity. Let me say it again. Freedom comes through submission. And victory comes through surrender. That when you, it's like, hand up, winner. You get a kingdom. That's different, man. You don't see that anywhere in the world. Then you're like, if, if you're at this place, especially like if you were one through nine on that little exercise, which, which hundreds of you were, Right? that's where you were, you were at one through nine on that exercise, and you just like, want to surrender, just do it, right here, just go, tap out. Just like, hey, I'm all in. And if you're at this place, right, and this is, I'm speaking to all of you now, where you're like, you know, I just realized there's parts of my life that I haven't surrendered. Right? Would you just do that? Would you just tap out right now? You can just do it right now in this place. Just say, all right, I'm tapping out, I'm tapping out. Right? Okay, does anybody here just want to surrender everything to him? Jesus' place, you're like, you know what? Like, this is my moment. I want to surrender everything to him. Is anybody in that place? There's going to be a moment. You're in that place. Stand up for me, sir. I'm glad. Thank you for being here. Yeah, you're in that place too? Thank you. Anybody else in that place? You're in that place too? Praise God. Praise God. You guys stay standing because we're about to move into singing, I'm just gonna pray over you. Anybody else I need to pray over? You're at that place where, hey, I just wanna, I see you up there, I see you guys up there, right? Anybody else, you're right there, I'm just gonna pray over you. You're at this place, where you're like, man, I just wanna surrender. I know it takes courage to stand up and it feels like everybody's looking at me, but this is a, what in a way to end the conference at this place where he's like, I just wanna surrender everything. I wanna surrender, I wanna go all in with Jesus. I'm ready to surrender my life to him. I believe on the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins and nothing else. Father in heaven, Father in heaven, Father in heaven, Father in heaven, have mercy on us. We know that you sent Jesus to die for our sins and we needed him because we've sinned, we've ran from you, God. We've done what we wanted to do. You know all the sins. The enemy wants to rub our face in them. Help us to just do jujitsu. Be like, yeah, yeah, I did it, but Jesus died for it. Help us to know that. At At a heart level, help us to believe that. Even the believers in the room, like we need the gospel preached to our heart every day. Help us to know that. And Father, would you turn our hearts to you Help us to see the cross, that you sent him to die for our sins, that you raised him from the dead, defeating death, giving us the hope of eternal life. Father, we love you so much. We love you so much. Thank you for all that you're doing in this place, for the way that you're at work in this place. Thank you for the fun that we've had, the laughter that we've had. Forgive us for our sins, protect us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, God, but deliver us from the enemy. If he seeks to tempt us, help us to stand strong by the power of your Holy Spirit. We leave our sins in this room like they were left in the tomb. We go back to our lives different, new, a reflection of you and who you are and all you've done. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.